Hello, and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen, with the best 30 minutes of sleep in show business. Uh, sponsored today by scriptpipeline.com. Uh, script Pipeline. Get your script seen by professionals and professionals who can show other professionals, right? Script analysis, uh, TV pilot treatment, story analysis, concept analysis, uh, both 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 uh, structure, story structure, characters, character arcs, uh, you know, resolved storylines. You don't want to leave something dangling. What happened to that one character? Uh, even D-Day, right? In Animal House, they just say at the end, he was never seen again, which is great. If you've got a, if you, it's not a real college experience if everybody gets back together, right? Somebody's got to be missing. Somebody's got to not, nobody knows where he is. And he's probably a big party or whatever. Truth is, maybe he's just, um, you know, living off the grid or living below the line. No social media or whatever. Uh, doesn't stay in touch. And he's just calm out there. And he didn't die or OD or, or drink himself to death. But uh, he just calmed it down. Found out who he really was. Didn't want to be that person anymore. And now he's uh, doing fine. But uh, it's a better story if you don't see him again. Um, anyway, scriptpipeline.com can help get your script not only uh, critiqued uh, constructively, but strategic planning on marketability. Is it the next Kevin Hart, you know, picture? Um, is it Jennifer Lawrence? Can we get it in front of whomever? That's scriptpipeline.com. They have connections in the industry. Hollywood and New York. Uh, executives right studio execs presidents directors producers they have connections they live there that's their business okay they when they're not working they're out consorting with these people drinking with them Uh, who knows what else so that's who you want to get your script in the hands of because they can give you constructive criticism and they can help uh, help you meet the right people. And you can do it from home. You don't have to live anywhere near Hollywood. What a dream. God, if that company were around when I was in Korea. Uh, just got back from New York. I was there for uh, five days. Five? Mm. Yeah, four. Four or five days. Um, it's now Thursday night. This was supposed to come out Monday. I had this written. I've tried to record it a couple of times. Sound was affecting uh, New York was loud where I was. And then also, once I got back, it was windy outside and the wind. You could hear it on this uh, recording that I tried this morning. So I'm trying it again now. And I need to come up with an, uh, another episode in a couple of days. Um, I was coming off. Uh, I needed the rest, man. I needed the rest. Uh, tomorrow I should be good. I have a show tonight. I have a show in a little bit. I have to leave pretty soon. I have a show at 9 o'clock at La Cave in Costa Mesa, right there by the Newport Beach border. Uh, Costa Mesa is picking up. Good pub crawl scene. Good pub crawl. You can kind of do a Newport pub crawl, and then um, that can turn into Costa Mesa. Um, but it was a long week last week. And how do you end a long week? You go to New York for a long weekend that goes that extends three or four days. I had uh, my high school had career day last Friday, which I helped run with my partner in crime, Brandy Lopez, um, and uh, we had forty alum from all walks of life, 30 years out. The, the school's only 35 years old, so graduates have been out for 31 years. 
we had 40 alum from all walks of life, you know, medicine, law, business, finance, um, entertainment, sports, all kinds of stuff. Come back and speak with the kids, speak and present to the students. We had a big panel up front, like a talk show kind of, all of them doing Q&A and talking about different majors and transferring and uh, internships and that first job out of college and balancing time, school, teams, family, all that stuff. Uh, Not all the students, just the juniors, right? Specific group. Uh, It's a big ask from both sides. It's, It's you're asking a lot. Kids are halfway through their junior year being spoken to about college and career choice. Okay? They're 15, 16, 17. Uh, 16, 17. Spoken about college and career choice. They're a year and a half away from college, and they're, and they're being spoken to about this stuff. We had no idea. I remember going into fall of my senior year. Halfway through my senior year, I didn't think I applied anywhere. That's why I just went with Carroll College. They offered a football scholarship to a few of my buddies and I, uh, and a few of us took it. And I just signed it and was like, cool, this will keep my dad off my back. It'll keep him happy. Uh, I don't have to worry about other college applications. I really don't want to get into all that stuff because I, I knew I was kind of sloppy in high school. I finished with a 3-0 cumulative, which isn't bad, all things considered, for as reckless as I was. But uh, that wouldn't get me in anywhere now, I don't think. Um, so we're talking to juniors, college, college, and then the career choice. Some of us are 50. Uh, most of the people talking to the juniors are 20, 30, 40 somethings, right? Different perspectives. So we're hitting them with college and then what they do after college can be a lot, but they need it. They need to hear it. We heard all kinds of stuff that we have. We had speakers back then that I don't think you could bring into kids now, uh, you know, ex drug addicts that would come and talk. Um, and it's pretty great. You, some alum are experienced in talking to kids and people in general, and some are not, uh, it's quite amazing to watch the good ones. Uh, some will get better. And when we do it again next year, we'll have about half that have done it and half newbies because you want to keep it fresh, but also you want people that are experienced, know the process, know how to do it. You don't want 40 fresh faces. Um, you know, ideally, it'd be nice to talk to them 18 months from now instead of 18 months out going into college or right when they graduated or a month before they graduate college. But this is the best we can do. This is all we got, right? And that's what you got to go with in life. Um, we planted some seeds, hopefully, and by the time they graduate, you know, they'll want summer and then college and then um, that stuff. So who knows where their minds are. Um, there's no right time for most things, right? You just go. You just go. You just got to go. It's never going to be perfect. Indecision, paralysis by analysis, all that stuff. Jennifer Lawrence, an actress, great actress, won an Oscar for one of the first films she was in. I think it was Silver Linings Playbook. I think they asked if she was too young or too inexperienced. Are you ready to win an Academy Award? She's like, what am I supposed to do? Not not accept it if they give it to me because I'm not ready. Not try, not succeed. I'm too young. Wait, hold off on my doing my best. Wait to do my best performance until a few more years. Colin Kaepernick took the 49ers to the Super Bowl in his rookie year, I believe. And I think Harbaugh was in his first year. Almost wins it. This kid in SF now may do the same. He may take him to the Super Duper. Uh, we'll see Philly. That's going to be a tough game. Not cold. Forty-five. Not too bad. San Francisco teams can handle that. Their defense is very good. Uh, so we'll see. And it's always interesting. You're like, well, this is going to be bloody. And then it comes away, and it's like a 17-point game. And you're like, oh, hands down. It's so funny what's exposed in the playoffs. Welcome to the football podcast. Um, I don't know. I like both teams. 
Cincy scares me. I wouldn't want to play Cincy right now. They've just got the perfect amount of prick in them. You know, Burrow's a perfect amount of prick. Uh, they're pretty great. Um, I don't think I don't think Kansas City has a chance. Kansas City's kind of fragile. I find like they're really good offense. It's great they have all these different plays, but last season was theirs. They didn't take it. This will be their fifth consecutive hosting of the NFC AFC Championship game. I don't think anyone's ever been close to that. So they need to pick up a second Super Bowl, and I don't know that they will. I think um, Mahomes is a little shaky, injured and stuff, and. Uh, I'd like to see it. I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing KC do it. I, I, I wouldn't mind any of these four teams winning it, which is kind of nice, so I can enjoy it. As I get older, I kind of take appreciation for the story, the personnel, who's coaching, do I like the quarterback, do I like kind of the vibe. Um, having said that, I just would love to see the Lions do well. So uh, so this quarterback, yeah, Kaepernick, this kid at SF now, are, are they supposed to wait to be great to get things done? All right, so we're throwing a lot at the kids. And it hopefully sheds some light on some things. You know, it gives them uh, some little synapses that open up a mental jolt, right? Make them realize that their brains and their actions beyond here are limitless possibilities. Some amazing speakers. I'm just more and more impressed every year. It's a great school. Um, Nothing wrong with privilege, which we come from a very affluent area, South Orange County. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with your privilege? How are you going to make that work? You know, for the most people possible, for the most earthlings possible. How are you going to make that work for humanity? Um, so I try to merge. So it's so it's a tough sell. You know, you got the students and you got the uh, alumni, and a lot of them don't know anything about each other. I try to merge them. I try to get them connected on some wavelengths and then get out of the way. Let them do their thing. So we have kind of that open panel in the gym, and then we have like a Q&A. And um, and then we have like a meet and greet where they're all standing behind their tables like it's a job fair. People can come up and talk to them. We do that for about half an hour, and then we break off into classrooms for about 45 minutes, and then we have a big lunch afterwards and talk to each other, and it's great. And there's 40, about 28 make it to lunch, maybe 30, and they peel off slowly. Um, it's intimidating, man, with some of the experiences that these alumni have. But uh, they get comfortable with each other, the kids and the alumni, and you watch the connection, and it's great. It's beautiful. It's like watching a river break off into a delta. You know, just it's so smooth. Um, a Bill Walsh, West Coast offense, Magic Johnson running the fast break. It's just, boom, synergy. Because teachers can only do so much. Parents can only do so much. When they hear things from, when the kids hear things from other adults, it really resonates. Uh, adults that are just 30 years older, um, you know, there's some adults 30 years older than these kids, and then some of the adults, the alumni, are five years older than them. So it takes a village, man. It takes a village. We've gotten away from that, America. Uh, we've gotten away from that, right? We don't trust our... When we drop them off at school, we don't trust teachers, all this stuff, um, you know, administration. So it's any little thing. You know, we go to the aid of the kid, and it takes a village. Tough love. But... Um, yeah, so talking to adults that aren't their parents or their teachers, I think helps the kids think laterally a little bit. It's good to have uncles and aunts. Different journeys, that's what we try to stress to the kids. There's no one path. Different journeys, different times to peak, and you don't have to stop peaking. Uh, we had one guy, Nick, who uh, he's about as successful as you can get. And when he, sa- he said, uh, look, uh, towards the end, he said, when he's hiring, he's not looking at grades or school. He wants interest level. 
enthusiasm, dedication to the assignment, to the job, to the position. And it's so good for the kids to hear. You know, you don't want them taking off their foot off the gas and not trying to be ambitious about a good school. But it definitely helps with overall perspective. Uh, hey, this job isn't going to be what you have there on paper. It's going to be action. So who wants it? You know, one of our guy, another of our guys, Bill, said he was talking to a parent of a recent college graduate who secured a job, and the dad was bragging about how his kid was securing a job, and where in the contract it said that it had gotten the contract stated that he was to work 10 to 4 every day, six hours. And the dad was just like beaming about it. And Bill was saying, that's not an accomplishment. Your kid just told that company he's not that into it, you know, and it's a terrible message. Uh, I, of course, I don't have all the details like every other thing I talk about, but uh, I thought it was interesting. It's like, what did you just tell that company? That, that you're like, you, you're a union worker, you know? Like, you're going to just work these hours? When you're starting out in any field, I mean, I, I, the limited feedback I can give to um, kids or any, anybody starting out, when you're starting out in any field, there's no time card to clock in and out with, right, if you really want to thrive. When I was starting stand-up, there wasn't a gig I wouldn't do, a show I wouldn't try, paid or non-paid, usually non-paid for years, a night I wouldn't go out and get on stage somewhere. Network, meet other people, you never know who's in the crowd in LA or New York or anywhere. Other comics see you, whether you make it as a comic, maybe a great comic sees you, wants you to open for them, uh, wants you to write with them, wants to be involved with you in some capacity. So you're full throttle, you're pounding the pavement in any profession, if you want to get anywhere. Um, in this job now that I work, there isn't an alum I won't email or text directly. You know, it's just, it's, but it's a lot of rejection, but at least I'm putting myself out there. And it weighs on you. The rejection is tough, but you filter through it. What gets results? Where do you spend your time and your focus? And, and who's on board? You find out who's on board. And you reach out, you, you look silly, you look clumsy, but you made the effort and, and you, put, you're, you throw yourself at the, at the mercy of them. You throw yourself at uh, the mercy of the court at their feet what can we do you know hey let's get you together this that this you look silly foolish no thanks but you're out there and then maybe they feel like they owe you something or they appreciate the effort i remember my dad at hagen man you talk about this hiring and these jobs and these contracts he was hiring a girl back in the day early 90s when he was at hagen in teaneck new jersey and um she wanted to start at the end of summer and my dad allowed it and she just graduated college and then at the end i don't know if she was a harvard girl or not um but uh at the end of summer she said she wanted to wait two more weeks and he said you know what take all the time you want we're going to someone else we're gonna hire someone else they didn't hire her i don't think that's even close to legal now I, who knows i don't know but did she violate something she said she's gonna anyway a lot of things my dad did uh that temper and impulsive behavior very very much a character um i can't imagine that girl's reaction back then i don't think you could pull that off now but who knows maybe her parents were old school and like girl you damn it you were you had a you had a deal and you broke it and now you're done who knows uh anyway so my old high school we call it career day uh it was good for the kids to see and for the alum to come back too. uh everybody wins hopefully there were some great messages and the team the little team i work with that kind of runs alumni relations and, and advancement they really pulled together and it's great and then people just outside the department it's it's they just want to work on projects together they like each other they're, they're really 
It's team concept. Uh, they get along. They're professional. They want to be around each other. That relieves uh, the people up at the top to be able to focus on fewer and more specific things, which is huge. I remember my dad, when I went for my first job, I was interviewed, and he's like, look, these guys want to know they can trust you with something so that when they give it to you, it's over. They don't have to look again until the job's done, and they can focus on bigger stuff. Um, you know, it's funny. I don't know how much I cared about any of this stuff. <clears throat> when I was living in Hollywood, right, schools, communities, young people, just so unconcerned with society, you know, your 20s, 30s. Schools, neighborhoods, communities. I mean, I guess I was subbing, so I guess I cared. I don't know how the kids um, stay on track in some of those neighborhoods I taught in, man. Taught. Taught. I didn't teach. Survived with. How do those kids survive in some of those neighborhoods and schools that um, I survived at? Uh, it's good I was so dumb, right? I didn't know the difference. Um, so, anyway. So, yeah, nothing wrong with being privileged, but it's what you're going to do with it. Okay, man, Long Beach is the Mason-Dixon line. It is the modern-day Mason-Dixon line. I don't know why I have this written here. You just jump from liberal L.A. to conservative Orange County, and neither side is backing down. Then you hit South O.C., which is even more so. I mean, it's just such a crazy division. It's, it's like, a, it's like a, a war, an unspoken war. <coughs> and both sides are hook, line, and sinker on these networks. It's crazy, man. It's like Twilight Zone. Um. Okay. What, what I don't know where this comes from. Oh, because I was in New York. I was in New York for the last five days. Amazing. Love the city. I think it's bounced back better than L.A. has bounced back. Uh, I was only there five days, and I've not been to L.A. that much. Maybe kind of once a month for the last two years. Uh, New York City feels uh the Long Beach division of L.A. And when I say L.A., I mean mostly like the Hollywood stuff because L.A. is pretty, you know, it's 10 different cities. New York feels a little bit that way with Brooklyn and on one side, Jersey on the other, three distinctly different tribes. Um, but I, I think those three are more fluid than the uh, L.A. Long Beach thing. And Manhattan kind of, I feel like, buffers those two out. San Diego buffers out Orange County and L.A., but it's not in the middle. It didn't have any interest in being in the middle. It's just down there doing its own thing. It's like we'd rather have Mexico as a neighbor than L.A. Um, I like the Manhattan style. You know, I like the Manhattan way. Professionalism, but bohemia. You know, structure, sense of merit, incentivize, right? And then go play at night, full speed. Play hard, work hard, all that stuff. Um, High-end social clubs for drinks incredible uh, artists musicians stuff like that you still have the exposure and uh you're still doing the professional thing during the day which whatever that is um whatever i like all three i've performed in all three so uh I, yeah i caught a red eye friday night after career day i was eggs austin man on a, on a on a red eye to new york city late that night because i was i was like i'm not gonna get any sleep on the flight i can't sleep on planes and i'm gonna get there in the morning and my buddies are gonna be there we're gonna be ready to go we're going to have to drink during the day, and then the freaking party starts at 5 or 6, and we're going to have to drink that. I'm going to be dead off no sleep. I'm still, you know, I'm still needing sleep from career day. Um, but so I had some anxiety going on that flight. And, you know, when you have the anxiety and, and you haven't slept and you have, you start, your mind goes to the past and regrets. And I don't know why. I don't know if that's everybody. You're kind of looking for comfort or sympathy, or you're looking for an easier time, and you're like, oh, had I just done this or that or stayed with it. Um, then you get through whatever you're stressed about, and you think you can accomplish anything. You're like, oh, I made it. Um, 
but whatever. It was a day of work with a lot of social, being social, and then an all-nighter, and then I was worried I wouldn't get rest on Saturday, and then have another very social situation to attend, and I wouldn't be rested. So I was a little stressed. Landed 4.30 a.m., Jersey, empty, empty airport. Never seen it like that. Just Ubered, because it was only like a $25 Uber to my friends in West New York. You know, uh, west side of New York from Jersey, quick, 25 minutes, like a $30, $35, which is like, I'll take that. Got to Chris's at like 5 a.m., conked out for five and a half hours. You wake up and you're like, this is good, cool. You That moment you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I'm rested, it's over, and I'm ready to go, and I need to be ready to go. Uh, it was fantastic. Had a liquid lunch with my friend Joe, who was in town from Italy, and that preceded an incredible who's who of fantastic people, wine and dinner at Chris's 50th birthday party. And I'll tell you, what a group. What a group. No weak links. And you're just like, oh, my God, that person. Forget about that. Oh, yeah, he's here. Oh, she's here. Oh, they're here. It's just endless, right? There's no weak links. And uh, by the end, I think there were a few left that I didn't know. And then by the end of the weekend, I did know everybody. So that was great. Um, I cannot imagine walking into that group for the first time. But at the same time, a very intelligent group, but also very uh, accepting. And they, in New Yorkers and the East Coast, they can keep a conversation going. I mean, in L.A., you just feel like it's like you're just doing work or you're in your own head. But, man, these Manhattanites, they know how to, oh, where are you from? What do you do? Oh, that's right. They just they know how to keep it interesting. That's what they do. They're professional that-doers. Um, you know, I think I threw a lot at my last girlfriend. I took her to a few events um, like these years ago and just was like, hey, have at it. Um, some groups are welcoming, some not so much. But you know what? You have to jump into the battle. It was fine, whatever. I made flashcards for uh, my buddy's commitment ceremony and uh, with everybody's name and backstory on them. And she thought it was insane, but she read them. She read them because, you know, she looked at them because she's like, oh, you're Andrea from, from Ireland married to Joe. So it was a good tool, actually, even though she made fun of me for it. Um, so, yeah, anyway... Long story short, I went from one amazing group of 40 on Friday to another amazing group of 40 uh, Saturday night. It was a lot. It was, it, was, it was just like the last couple of days, I'm like, which person said this and that? So it was sensory overload. I ended up not drinking too much Saturday night because uh, just so many good people, so many good conversations. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, where are we here? Okay, we've got about eight left. Thank God. Sleeping yet? Sleepy time. Jeez, I should listen to my own podcast when I'm flying. You know, that would help. Uh, that would help. Uh, my buddy Joe from Italy was telling me how rigid Italy can be on policy. We think Europe's this, you know, utopia. But he said Italy is very um, rigid. Uh, old ways, Europe in general. Americans are open-minded, he says. Uh, they adopt new ways of doing things, especially on the West Coast. In my experience, I would say especially on the West Coast, less rigidity, more structure and lineage-based lifestyle uh, on the East Coast. As we know from Shawshank Redemption, the Pacific has no memory, right? Uh, What's nice about being an American who's traveled, you can call people out who criticize America um, if if they don't come correct, right? If it's unjust criticism. We have a lot to criticize for, of course. Um, but they're not expecting an American to have traveled and analyzed things. And, uh, yeah, not, not that it's about calling someone out or winning any arguments, not about that. 
but just you want to be prepared, right? Arm yourself with knowledge, conversation, and uh, not looking to one-up the guy, but you want to know of what's going on on around the world. Um, just an unbelievable night. Hit Queens during Monday and Tuesday. Met with some comic friends that live there. Astoria Queens is a hotbed for comedians. And these two guys, one's from Pittsburgh, one's from Syracuse, they love living there. They keep advising me to move there for years now. Um, Manhattan's right there at striking distance. If you live in Queens, like I walked one of the days, I walked from Hell's Kitchen to Astoria, uh, which is insane because it was raining. I trained back, of course. I was not messing around. And then the next day I trained there and back. So, um, yeah, Queens, east, east of New York. It's the beginning of Long Island there. You're close to two airports, and you are the time, right? You're Eastern time. So when you fly to other gigs, you're not three hours behind trying to catch up, like if you're flying from the West Coast. So it's a little more space than Manhattan. Um, it's less expensive than, than Manhattan. There's plenty of shows in Queens. You can hit your shows in Manhattan. Um, but uh, So basically, if and when my show ideas don't happen, I've got about two, two left that I'm working on. You know, the first 10 years of stand-up was stand-up, and it was great, and I could have stayed with it. The next 10 became about trying to sell shows, <clears throat> making sizzle reels, two- to five-minute trailers about what a show could be with a show Bible. Um, I did it three or four times, different crazy ideas. Um, and these are this is kind of my last one that I'm on because now it's like, all right, I'm going to go back to the pavement after this because I always wanted to do above-the-line stuff. I didn't want to just be a comic. I wanted to, like sell a show you know i wanted to be known um you could even say i wanted to be seinfeld not necessarily jerry seinfeld even though i had a foot in both and once this last show idea doesn't go anywhere then i'm going back i think exclusively to stand up because i've just spread myself so you know you're going to the acting classes comedy acting classes and then improv sketch and it's like and you're meeting a lot of people and it's great but where are you getting like are you are you getting a craft yeah you're networking so you're kind of that's a craft um i don't know that i want to mess around with la anymore it's too scattered for me and what i want to do it's good if you're a big actor if you've already made it or you're a model or an actor or, or whatever auditions but my strength is in the stand-up writing and performing um and that served better in new york i think you could go further and it'd be a change of pace for me so um that's what i'm looking at who knows uh, how far off into the future I still want to get the mascot show as far as I can. And we'll see. Um, great collusion of culture in New York, of course. That currency uh, goes further. Um, God, this, show, this episode title is hosting a show, and I'm just starting the, the concept right now, or the premise right now. There's a bar in Orange County that wants me to do a monthly. I'm not going to do it. Uh, the place is too scattered. Did I say that already? Organizationally, and it would end up being me organizing, booking, promoting, and not writing. So I'd be hosting an event, I'd be running an event, and there'd be no stand-up. And unless they wanted to pay me 500 a month or something ridiculous, maybe 300, then I wouldn't care about performing. But the problem is, people that I invite to come see are going to want to see me perform. So it, 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 And I will spend the time before the show and after the show uh, greeting them, seeing them off. It, it's a complete nightmare all around. So I pass along the information to the room to another comedian and lady that runs the other the, the bar is like what i can't believe like really and i was like yeah i've i just it's i got to protect myself at some point in this world if i had a twin brother it'd be great one of us could do that and then the other one could perform uh there's a difference between hosting a show and hosting an event i don't mind hosting a show uh or hosting an event really but hosting an event is you know 
it's a lot you know um you're hosting an event you're setting up the equipment you're spending a ton ton of time again before and after the show and it's not about stand-up comedy and it's not the reason i got into this so not, not going to do it you know spade and bobby uh, miyamoto we talked about um sometimes you go to a town and you don't even tell friends or contacts there because you don't want them to feel obliged to come to a show you know because like, hey, i am in town come to a show but it's like okay but what if they don't want it but you also don't want to make separate plans with them because then it's like well i can't come to your show you want to hang out after and you're like well now i'm screwed i was inviting you to the show out of uh politeness um you know you'd you'd like them to come to the show you want people to come but you feel obligated to go out and see them and maybe even go out to dinner or drinks you'd rather focus on the show so sometimes you just don't tell people when you're going to a city because you feel bad either way you're like if i invite them and they come to the show great but then i'm gonna have to hang out with them if they can't make the show but they still want to hang out then i'm really screwed it's just you can't win um the civilian perspective of stand-up is always very funny what do you mean you don't want a home-cooked meal in this and it's like no man i want to i want to be in my hotel room and just go over my bits and go to the gym here walk around the town a little bit um and just kind of stay meditative because you got to be on for those shows you can't go up and do two shows 45 minutes each or an hour each after a few drinks you can't do that forever you do it for a little bit the civilian perspective of stand-up, man, it's just, it's it's whacked and it's ignorant and it's ill-advised. Why don't you just do that? You know, I'm reaching my tolerance, especially living in the suburbs. I'm, t- I'm talking to way too many civilians right now. My life is way too few comics, way too few artists. Um, like, oh, yeah, let's do this comedy at this house. We'll, we'll do it at someone's house. It'll be easy and great. No, it won't. It'll be terrible and stressful. And once it's over, I'll drink seven vodkas, race out of there to my home where I'll shower. You know? And for comics out there, if someone asks you to do a comedy at a private event or, or whatever, you know, you know, I always offer to do a toast. I'm like, I'll do like a minute and a half toast. And that usually satisfies. Stand-up can be too specific. A poetry reading is easier. The only comedy that really um, works at a house gathering is if it's wrapped around a musician or guest speaker or something and they make a few jokes or you say a few words before they go on. Because you need laughter for stand-up to work. And in that scenario, in a private home, people aren't necessarily going to laugh. One family did it right. One family did it right. This family was weirdly related to O'Hara's, which is a, a, one of our football coaches from high school down in uh, South Orange County. And they weirdly knew the O'Hara's. And it was in Calabasas up there, you know, just south of Ventura. They did it right. It was a private home. It was around the holidays. People are festive. Jackie Cation was the other comic. She's a hip married lady. So that helped because they're married about, you know, the same age. Well, whatever. We're all about the same age. And that helped. And mainly it was a living room. It had a little cove of a stage and a microphone in, um, in a stand. And they had a spotlight so people couldn't see each other, which is huge. You need that anonymity, right? They can laugh freely. Uh, not sure if it had a brick wall behind it. I doubt it. Jesus, that'd be too much. But long story short, um, it, it was. It, it looked like a little comedy club, and that really worked. It was like a twenty-minute show. We each did ten minutes. It was fine, man. We got paid. Um, people drank. Beautiful neighborhood, man, up there. It's like east of Malibu, you know, uh, right off the one hundred and one. But there are some nice homes. Was it was that Thousand Oaks or maybe it was uh, Christian Oaks or something like that? 
Anyway, long story short, I have to get more comfortable in my skin, in speaking in general. I have to take my time more, right? I don't need a comedy class. Maybe I do. But I should take a public speaking class, I think, just to get comfortable in my skin. We're at 31 minutes. Okay. Um, we'll see. Hosting is entirely different energy than just performing, hosting an event, hosting a show. Hosting a show is great. I'll take the money. I'm a good MC. I set a nice table. But hosting the event and doing all that stuff, I never cared for. Um, it's more than just stand-up. But whenever I ran shows, you know, I could put a nice lineup together, a good show, make a little money. Um, but my own stand-up always suffered when I ran a show. And those shows afterwards would leave me bummed, even though everyone else had a good set or a good time. Um, you know, it's like if you, if you host everybody for a meal and you worry about the meal, ingredients, cooking, people have to eat, pe uh, do people have enough to eat? How's the house look? And then it's great for everybody, but you don't eat. You forget to eat or you just don't. You're too nervous. That's what it was. Um, so this hosting thing, like I'm really trying to stay away from doing the wrong part of the work. You know, I've given so much away in my life of myself. Uh, bar time, you know, social time, hangouts. Uh, a lot of big names in L.A. wanted to hang out. They wouldn't help the career necessarily, but they, they liked hanging out with me. And I finally, I think, have learned to protect myself a little bit better about that. Um, anyway, New York was fantastic. Uh, it was good. No New York trip has ever been bad from the first time I went with my buddy Andy. When my dad lived there, we went when he was at Haagen-Dazs. Uh, and this trip, all 20 or 30 times I've been there. It's just been phenomenal. I just love that town. Uh, maybe part of the reason I love it, I've never lived there. And maybe if I live there, it's wrong. Ruined? Doubt it. I know enough about it. I never know enough. I live in Japan, Korea. I didn't know anything. Um, but uh, anyway, it, there's nobody more prepared ever to live there than myself. So if I go there, uh, we'll see. Happy 50th to my buddy Chris. Uh, I don't imagine anyone looking better at that age, at this age that he is. Um, here's a long journey with many trips around the sun with you and yours, Alicia. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Uh, possibly tonight at La Cave in Costa Mesa at 9 p.m. Uh, across from Keen Coffee, coincidentally. Great venue as well. Keen on Things, the podcast, Keen of Comedy, the social media handle. All right, talk to you soon. Bye.